Welcome to VPG's Virtual Water Cooler Chat Podcast, where we share lessons and stories of women professionals to help empower other women and expand a greater circle of influence so we walk our journey with those who understand and appreciate us. Today, we'll chat with Angela Evans. Angie, as her friends know her, has over 20 years of experience as an educator. She and Ashley met through an Airbnb online experience and have since explored various creative writing and publishing projects together. Most recently, Angie worked with Ashley and Michelle Kim on Building a Leadership Habitat, which explores leadership principles through the lens of safari animals, and Bridging Dreams and Reality, which explores various social themes faced by adolescents through the interpretation and storytelling of Michelle's illustrated artwork. This episode of Virtual Water Cooler Chat is entitled Hope Floats, and you'll soon find out why. Angie is the founder of Waters of Hope, a nonprofit that provides quality of life experiences to cancer patients and survivors. She has published three novels and nine ebooks and is currently working on two more novels when she isn't grant writing, ghost writing, and consulting for the Virtual Patent Gateway team. Hello, Angie. So good to see you. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. I'm going to dive right into this. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and who is Angie Evans? Okay, uh, just to begin with, I would like to say I am a writer and a teacher, and I'm also a person who loves adventure and loves to find the joy in the journey. Um, I'm also a widow and a grandmother and a mother, and there's just so many things that, that encompasses, but... Most of all, it's just somebody who loves life and is trying to get the most quality out of the life we have here on earth. And I also love kayaking. I should say that because that's one of my passions as well. Very good. Would you like to tell our listener how we actually met? Yes. During COVID, Airbnb asked me to uh, teach this class online, a writing class online. And so at first I was a little nervous, but uh, I started doing Airbnb experiences and that's where I met you. And uh, it's just kind of been a whirlwind ever since. We've just had a really great working relationship that we didn't meet on Airbnb experiences. So uh, that was exciting. So I'm happy I did that and took that leap of faith to do that experience. How did you choose your path to become a creative writer? And do you think that this is your calling? I definitely think it's my calling. Um, I went to college to be a teacher just because I didn't think I could make a living as a writer. And uh, when my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer during her uh, bucket list experience that we did before she passed, she kept telling me, when I pass, I want you to write the book because that's your dream. That's your passion. Just do it. So when she passed away, I decided I was going to become a writer at 40 years old. And so I did. I made it happen. I published three novels and nine ebooks, and I've helped tons of people uh, make their dreams of uh, publishing come true as well. So I really feel like it's my passion and what I was meant to do. I love it when you added that you love kayaking because I have actually never kayaked until a year and a half ago. A friend and I, we went on a trip and we went to Maine. And I, I somehow, we went out sailing. So I feel like that there was an instructor and it was fine. And then she, throughout the trip, she was persuading us, we should go out and kayak because it's included in the resort. Did not say a word. 
that was like my feeling like hopefully she doesn't say anything more about this but then once I finished the actual sailing lessons I was like hey I got this well <laughs> then I told her I was like well since we have the gear the life jacket and anything maybe we should go kayaking you should have seen the look on her face <laughs> she was like really I was like yeah really let's do it um before I changed my mind so then we went on to the other side of the dock and uh, we sort like the the folks were helping us to get into the kayak and of course I go into the front because that's the one that is requires less experience the one from the back I believe will need to navigate a little bit more so we were at Booth Bay Harbor and and then when we actually started doing this I was like really enjoying myself and just she goes like just relax let everything go I'm like okay and then over like during the time we were at the lake we were able to see like the lobster's cage and so I was like oh this is a lot of really refreshing experience and then <laughs> the problem comes in when I have to actually get back on the dock because it was actually deep yeah. so I have the life jacket but I already took the you know the resort guy so he was actually having his lunch and he forgot to get us back in I mean my friend was able to get it but I was like I was having such a difficult time getting up getting back in and it requires a lot of maneuvering, some, you know, tactical miscalculation. And there was this one guy standing at the dock the entire time by watching me struggle. <laughs> I was like, when I finally got back up, I said, did you have fun? I should have charged you admission fee. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That I would really want to share with you. I, I mean, eventually I'm going to go to, to North Carolina and basically just kayak with you, but we will need to start slow. Okay, we can do that. Well, I'm um, so happy you tried it. But yes, I think I will do it again, but it has to be with the right people. Yes, I understand. Yeah. That's I don't want to make a, I don't normally like to make a fool of myself in front of just anybody. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. You have to be select individuals. Yeah, my vulnerability is only with the trusted few. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Next thing that I wanted to kind of chat with you is, I know you're heavily involved with nonprofit work. And for instance, Waters of Hope. And then I believe that there's another nonprofit organization that you work with. Can you share with us what each of the nonprofit does? your involvement yes. and what you hope to accomplish by providing and integrating your skills with each. I started Waters of Hope, uh, which is a kayaking um, company for people who have a terminal illness. Uh, anybody who has um, you know, a physical, mental, or developmental disability, I take them out kayaking at no cost to them. And I started this after my sister passed away because I found that when she was really sick and in her downtime, quality of life was so important. So taking her out for the day and having her forget about cancer was just so important. So I've taken thousands of people kayaking since my sister passed away. Uh, and, you know, that's just really helped me the healing because everybody I take out is part of the healing process for me. As well as when we leave, they're like, oh, we could forget about everything for the day. 
Um, and we also take big trips. We take trips on the lake here where I live in a North Carolina, but we also take people to Florida to kayak with the manatees, to Charleston to kayak with the dolphins. And it just seems to help them to get away and forget about their illness for a couple of days. The other organization is called the Hope Center of Hendersonville, and it's a center for people with developmental disabilities. And uh, my friend there uh, asked me to start writing grants for them. And I said, I don't know if I would be good at it, but I'll try because I am a writer. And uh, I've been quite successful at it. So I write grants for them and I also help them with uh, their plans and Medicaid billing and such as that. But there's two causes that I'm just really passionate about, which is a quality of life for anybody who has physical, uh, mental or developmental disabilities. So those kind of fit uh, things that I'm very passionate about. And for our listeners, if anyone that is interested in like supporting financially or just even like volunteering, how do we, how do they get a hold of you? And where would they be able to find information online? Um, Facebook, I have a Waters of Hope on Facebook and then also the Hope Center of Hendersonville, or they can email me directly at paddlersplace1967 at yahoo.com. Or they can even call me at 828-505-6333, whatever's easier for them. Tell us about what you do for fun. I like to read and I also like to travel myself. You know, I have this bucket list that's like five miles long. And so uh, one of the things I like to do in the winter is kayak with the manatees. Uh, Usually kayaking is involved in the travel somewhat. Uh, but I also like to do things that are outside of the box. You know, I say you should do something every day that scares you. So it's kind of those kind of things, you know, uh, facing your fears and uh, kind of that example of life begins outside of your comfort zone. I like quotes too. Uh, but reading, kayaking, uh, artwork, uh, you know, painting, sketching, journaling, all of those things are passions. I love them and uh, try to do them on a regular basis because I think that life's short and you have to squeeze as much life into it as possible. Well, I know that one of the things that I really do have a lot of respect for you is that you have actually experienced a lot of loss and are in life and you also have struggled with, you know, illness yourself. And I really do, you're a fighter. I mean, you are a fighter. And I think for the most part, even with grief, you still try to have a positive outlook and use the skill set to service others, which is what make me want to collaborate with you and support you in any way I can. One of the things that I want to talk about is that our collaboration of writing our first book, Building a Leadership Habitat, And without going into actually the writing process, can you tell us, share with me so I can gain some insight as to what made you decide to want to collaborate with me and VPG? I believe the reason that I want to work with you is because you show great leadership and you also support women and other people in such a positive manner, it's all you always want to uplift people and to show them a different way to do things. And your creative ways is just so impressive to me because many people have, you know, this technical mind or this, uh, this leadership mind, and they do not have the creative side. And the fact that you have both and that you're exploring both is very impressive to me. And I love your creative side. And in the months and years that we work together, 
I've noticed that that has just expanded. That part of you has expanded and your writing and your ideas just uh, get me excited. And I love when we we talk and we have these uh, sessions where we're kind of, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other because I leave that just so motivated to complete the projects. And you also give great uh, insight and, you know, you're very clear about things that you want changed. And I really respect that about you and your leadership skills. So. Well, you probably remember when I first get started, the out was not so great in so many things. But I think that you are absolutely correct in terms of my, by supporting and servicing others. And now I have my moments. (laughs) Let me just not lie here. (laughs) There are moments I just want to like, oh, bang my head against the wall. But Overall, I think that I've learned so much from everyone. Mm-hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly, you get a lessons, you know? Life is absolutely short. And if you don't do something that really meaningful to you, like you go and swim with the manatees and helping people by taking them out kayaking. And for me, I was very creative. And then life happens <laughs> you know now life happens again it's sort of like the second curve as Arthur Brooks talked about in his um from strength to strength I don't know if you've read this book but you might want to listen to the audiobook or just go on YouTube and search for Arthur Brooks he teaches a class on happiness at Harvard and um, apparently there's this, like a lot of people wants to find happiness, right? <laughs> so yes. one, of the, one of the main pieces that he wants, he talked about is that talk about the first curve of life and then the second curve of life. And I have been thinking about that a little bit, actually a lot. He described intelligence as two types. There's like fluid intelligence and there's also... Um, the other type of intelligence, fluid intelligence, crystallized in intelligence. So fluid is when you are like young, younger in your younger age, and you're much more like those who are analytical. They just like basically get project done for faster, get their math done faster. Pro- you know, just really based on your analytical skills. And then crystallized intelligence is based on life experiences that you accumulated. So when sometimes, especially in service industries, I think what he said was in service in- industry that heavily relies on the fluid intelligence, some people may have sort of like feeling a void as their fluid intelligence declines. So this is when he thinks that it's best when people like know know yourself basically and then work on getting into relying more on crystallized intelligence and so it's like using your experience in the past and maybe to grow others now I never knew that I was doing that (laughs) but then one day I was sitting in the car waiting for my mom from acupuncture I was like wait a minute that's why VPG is successful because I'm using crystallized intelligence. Yes. yes. And then I'm generation 
and all of the other people who provide content, because I can help them. I mean, I, I think that we complement each other really well, even with disagreements. Right. And I think that is how BPG grows so fast. It's kind of scary, actually, <laughs> but you know, I'm just gonna let it flow. <laughs> yeah, but it. I thought that I would want to tell you about that book so you could actually read or listen to it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So that has been something that I really, really thought that would be very interesting. What are some of the key lessons learned that you would like to share with our audience? Especially, I think I'm going to put something a little bit more difficult um, because I personally am dealing this, have been dealing with, with this myself. How do you turn grief into a positive energy? and just propel forward. I think really realizing that life is short and that I owe it to all the people who in my life who passed away. I've lost three siblings and my husband, my dad. I mean, there's a list goes on. And just th thinking that I owe it to them to live life to the fullest because life is short. And so um, instead of, you know, when I have a dream, I make it happen because you have to get past the fear and just jump. You know, I see so many people that do the same thing over and over again and they hate it. And I just decided that I wasn't going to do anything in my life that I did not enjoy. Uh, yeah, of course, work is work. Some days we have days that's like, oh, this is not fun. But uh, overall, I'm going to be joyful in what I do. And I learned that from watching people that I love pass away because if they had not experienced that life is short kind of attitude, then they wouldn't have had the quality of life that they had. And even with my husband, the last five years that we had together was very uh, adventurous filled and he did not have that really before. So seeing that and knowing that he had those, those years made it easier. So just encouraging people to live each day like it's your last day and not be afraid to jump and to leave that job that you hate uh, and do something that you enjoy that can actually you know, mean something to the world because I want to live a life of service and every project that I do, I feel like that it helps and benefits the world in some way. Uh, you know, the work that we do is helping people, um, you know, build leadership skills. And, you know, the book that we did, even though it's really a lot of fun, it does have some great lessons in it. So now I just take projects that mean something to me spiritually and um, that I feel like I'm giving something back to the world. Another thing that I'm very passionate about is the homeless. I do like to, to make homeless bags. You know, I call them homeless bags. I just put little stuff in them and then we take them around. And actually that's where I gain a lot of peace is just driving around, giving bags out and tents and blankets and, and supplies to the homeless. And that's very, um, that's very connecting to me and just living a life of service, but also living a life of joy. And that's, that's to me, what helps people through grief is helping other people and also um, taking time for yourself and self-care and doing things that you enjoy. I think that is so true. And one of the things that I wanted to say is that hate is such a strong word. You probably have read Jack Canfield, Chicken and Soup for the Soap. Mm -hmm. One of the things that he talked about was, um, and I really think that it resonated with me so well, is that when people do things, we always tell people, don't take it personal. Well, people tell us not to take things personal, but then it's so hard not to do that. And so, for example, when you make a choice 
in life when we make a choice is often we didn't do it to be against someone. Right. We just finally got to the point that we are recognizing that we are doing it for ourselves. Yes. So I think that is something that I really want to point out. People sh- really should try to not take things so personally and then be more understanding. And I think that it goes the same way. There are people that, for example, that we was we would probably not like interacting so much. Right. And our natural tendency would be, oh God, I am just that person is so toxic. We will just need to get rid of them. And sometimes there might be family members. There might be people that are really in need of help. Now, there is boundary setting that you need to do. I just wanted to kind of make that heavier that I think I think I'm recognizing myself more of as a giver. And that is one of the questions I definitely struggle with. Because to trust or not to trust, that is the question. Yes. Do you allow yourself to be like basically helping others to the point that they might take advantage of you. (laughs) And then if you do that, if you get burned, do you not help the next person? What if the next person is the one that you really need to help? Right. So I wonder what your thoughts on that. I set very great boundaries. I have a friend of mine that says, you created boundary setting. Um, For example, uh, with the homeless, I do not give them money because that goes against, you know, the idea because I don't know what they'll do. And, and so I'll give them supplies and stuff. So I set that boundary early and then they know that I'm not going to break that. So, the, so, you know, I just don't, I mean, and I don't give them rides. So, so I set that boundary and also, um, you know, in my personal life, I'm also like very much, uh, this is what I'll do. This is what I will not do. Uh, and now sometimes I'll cross that and I always regret it. But, you know, setting those boundaries and also setting aside time that's like my time that I do not let, you know, people in during that time that I can just be myself and do self-care. But I think boundary setting, when you are a person who's a giver, you have to do that or you will um, drain yourself. I mean, there'll be nothing left for anybody else. But I do have boundaries as far as what I will do and what I will not do. And also understanding when somebody's going too far and, and it's too much. And just saying that from the very beginning. Um, I'm a very blunt person. So, so being honest is usually not a problem. The mom problem is more saying it in a way that's not going to hurt somebody's feelings uh, more than it is uh, not setting those boundaries. And, but when you are a giver, you do have to, you have to go out and you have to say, you know, when I take people out with me, I'm like, this is what we do. This is what we do not do. And you cannot, you know, go from that because once you take that little tiny space, like you give them a dollar, <laughs> you know, the next time it's $5. So you have to just set the boundary. I'm not going to give money. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, with the kayaking, the people that take kayaking, it's not that much of a, an issue as it is and uh, some of the other things that I do. But setting those boundaries before you go. And even with people that I'll do this much and I'll give you this much, but also saying, you know, this is when I can do this. I can't do this before. I can't do this after. And just understanding your boundaries and what you can do and what you can't do. I think boundaries for me is a work in progress. <laughs> I was such a people pleaser before. I would say yes to almost everything. And now I think people are just recognizing the fact that I, 
oh my gosh, it's not such a pushover anymore. Right. And I think that it actually really helps and it helps solidify relationship. Yes. Because, you know, when I, for example, if people, people please, you can't help but having like hidden resentment. Yeah. It just happens, you know? It's like basically a friendly neighbor fence, basically, because I don't cross right. my property. <laughs> Right. You know, this is where I'm okay with it, and this is where you, if you, it cross that property, we're gonna have to talk. Right. So I'm learning those lessons, and it's not easy because it's not my natural upbringing, and also, like, a lot of it is especially with family, right? Because they know how to push your buttons, whether they intentionally do it or not. Those are the areas that um, I feel that I'm most vulnerable with. Right. I don't think that they intentionally do it. Part of it is culture. When, when people are more into, like the elderly, they seem to be, you know, much more like, oh, just do what I said. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I'm a very successful businesswoman. I think this is the right way to do it, you know? And if I, you know, if I fall, then I'm going to learn my lessons, get back up and go try again. I'll take it at another angle. So I think, honestly, it has been a really, really interesting self-discovery journey. So I'm really glad that you are there on Airbnb. And then eventually we collaborated because we found each other. And um, I think that we just have like kindred spirits so that's why I wanted to chat with you for this virtual water cooler chat and I'm so glad that you are in support of this and life has so many spectrums if I focus only on the professional side of like only one particular industry I feel like that I would be missing some voices I think so I wanted to make sure that virtual water cooler chat is actually filled with a very diverse set of voices and opinion yes, I like so thank that. you for helping me to fulfill this particular goal thank you for having me it was a, it was fun thank you oh.